It's kismet that we cosmic with the stars. You masses overlooking street art. Better get street smart, but you keep us off the charts. Some of the fucking numbers and your statisticians. Fuck you know about true competition. Just like the A.O. picture on there talking about he hitting. The only one who's hitting are the ones that's currently spitting. We got your Missy Smitten rubbing on a little kitten. Dreaming up a world that's equal for women with no division. Huh. Boy, I tell you that's vision. Like Tony Romo when he hitting with him. The tribe be the best in a division. Shaheed Muhammad cut it with precision. Who can come back years later still hit the shot? Still I'm trying move you off the fucking block. Babylon blood clot. Two upon your head top. Greetings from Free Foam at the Green Dragon. Hello, Jonas. Hey, Sam. Good, How's it? good uh, morning to you. Good evening to you in our 12 and a half, 13 hour difference of uh, time zones. Always interesting mm. to be speaking across the world. It is, and sleepy. Yeah, I can imagine. You're, uh, it's your Saturday morning there, so uh, you've gotten up bright and early. Still in your pajamas, I can see. Uh, well, this is just my house jacket. But uh, yeah, and we always stay up till like two o'clock in the morning on Fridays and Saturdays, like talking or watching TV. We, I don't know, it's just something we do. But no worries, let's let's move let's move ahead. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we're we're here for episode four this evening, and we've got a a real exciting uh, lineup of questions and and information to to get to you guys this evening and or this morning and just today in general. Um, I think we're going to start off this evening with some kind of anecdotal, funny things from our home brewing experiences. And uh, mm. Jonas, uh, Jonas has mentioned something about his apple beer, which is really notorious in the uh, <laughs> Appalachian Mountains in North Carolina. So, why don't oh, you yeah. tell us about that uh, that uh, wonderful experience? Okay. Well, I'll start off with something uh, very, very brief. After Sam mentioned his uh, his dirt beer. <laughs> that they they drank one bottle and poured it out. Correct. My first my first beer it t- smelled exactly like black olives, and it was so astringent you could clean a flesh wound. So <laughs> we drank exactly half of one of those and poured it out. But uh, on to on to better things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we we go ahead. Go ahead. No. So after you keep going. Well, we had this beer, I had this beer, and I had a bad habit of pitching hot. This was really on in my brew, like my third or fourth batch or something. And I was like, oh, I'll just pitch at 75 degrees and the the (laughs) yeast will grow really fast and it'll be great. Uh, Well, it produced a lot of really bad off flavors. And um, uh, gosh, it was, I just don't even want to go into the details about how bad it was. (laughs) So People I, I still had telling a, that story. Yeah, I had a friend suggest that oh, just boil it again and <laughs> you know start over. And he's like, the worst that could happen is that you would learn something. And yeah. I have to admit, it was true. So I took about a case of beer, oh. maybe more, and I poured it back into the kettle and I boiled <laughs> it for a while. 
and then I cut it with water and added about 15 pounds of freshly sh- food oh. processed apples that I had just picked out of my yard. Lovely. And uh, I, I guess I had started some more yeast. I can't remember that part, but it did start fermenting. And wow. it was the gas was so crazy that it actually pushed the beer out out of the bottle and filled up this one and a quarter inch tube airlock and it pushed it like a foot and a half out of the bottle oh so you in the carboy you blew the actual uh airlock and the the, bung out i put the apple no 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 it just i put the apples in there but it actually pushed the beer it didn't just off gas it pushed the beer itself like filled up the entire tube and started coming out ah and but it, I didn't lose too much, believe it or not. And then it went on for a while. And then later, for some reason, and I don't even know why, I racked it into a plastic fermenter <laughs> about a week later. You're trying everything, so you might as well give that an extra. <laughs> and then I poured in about four pounds of corn sugar. I just poured it right on in there. Yeah. I just I just opened that lid and just dumped that sugar straight in there. No Delicious. water, no nothing. And, and the, the airlock started spewing gas oh. like you were blowing bubbles through a straw. It yes. Just, <laughs> for about three hours. Oh nice. Nice. <laughs> And so I let it sit there for three, for a couple more weeks and bottled it up. And, uh, well, you know, you've heard of bootleg whiskey. Well, this was just kind of like bootleg beer. Mm. And it, it had a little bite. Um, but you know, it tasted yeah. like beer. We were young okay. and, uh, yeah. it, it was actually palatable. It was bad, but yeah. it was palatable. And, and palatable I, being the fact that you had to drink it because you couldn't pour it out because you had money in the bottle, right? Is that no, no? It actually, it actually what I mean, I mean, again, we we didn't have great taste in beer or anything, and most people, you know, that at that time didn't drink much homebrew. Hmm. So if it even resembled beer, people were yeah. like, "Oh, that's not bad." Yeah, yeah. And it did it did have you know like a ton of apple juice in it. And so it was, sweet. I mean, it had major problems, but yeah, it sort of tasted like beer mm. and we drank it. <laughs> well, so, you anyway. know, I, uh, I love to hear that story, um, from the very beginning to the very end. Cause the whole reboil thing itself is just insane, but good, <laughs> insanely good. Uh, my, uh, my problems, yeah, actually my funny stories come from more mechanical failure than anything else. Um, not to say that I haven't made mistakes as a home brewer, but I, uh, one time was doing, um, I, I kept upping the ante as far as my uh, production value at home and had been brewing 10 to 15 gallons. And then I added a third, um, uh, a third converted, uh, half barrel keg as a kettle. And so I was, you know, getting up there to like close to 30 gallons at this point. And, um, and at the time, of course, it was brewing all outdoors, uh, you know, kind of next to my house. And I didn't have hot or cold water that was out there, you know, uh, designated hot and cold water taps yet, which I eventually ran to the side of the house. So I could have, you know, water on demand right there. So I was running hose. And in this case, you know, brewer's hose was a garden hose. And so I was transferring uh, some very hot wort from 
the beer tower, which was actually inside the garage. And, and the brewing tower itself was this multiple tiered four tower contraption, uh, four tables literally kind of stacking on top of themselves as like Dr. Susian look. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that in action, Jonas, but it was quite a feat of balancing. Um, but I was running it out to the kettles, which were on the cookers instead of carrying it. And so, you know, 212, 215 degrees uh, Fahrenheit uh, liquid going through this hose. Well, you know, I never had a problem with buying not expensive uh, uh, things I could convert, but things that were, you know, relatively uh, doable uh, price-wise mm -hmm. and as far as my budget. Well, I bought some new transfer hose and I had this manifold that I had built where I could transfer the wort equally into all three kettles so that I would not lose gravity and have to do things like I used to do, which was like manually transferring the wort back and forth to get the gravity perfect on each kettle and all this craziness. Yeah. So I finally figured out I just do a manifold, which worked very well. So um, we get to the end of the transfer, if you will. <laughs> and um, I'm looking at the wort uh, and I, you know, I've got the heat on at this point and, and, you know, we're, uh, we're getting ready to start the boil at this point from, from the from the sparge and i'm looking at the wort and actually i, I take that back it wasn't 212 degrees fahrenheit it was actually uh sparge temperature but it's still hot enough still hot enough to burn it melt plastic yeah which of course is exactly what happened so this hose apparently was not a heat resistant hose it wasn't rated and i learned the lesson the hard way because i'm looking at the wort going those are plastic pellets Nice. That's not propane. That's not that's, that's no kind of protein or any kind <laughs> of early, you know, kind of, you know, uh, some kind of strange thing going on that I don't know about. Those are plastic pellets. And each and every kettle had uh, a soup of almost tapioca like plastic Sweet. petals or uh, uh, um, pebbles in it, kind of. And so, um, you know, I was not about to try to figure out what to do with that because I figure if you could, you know, visually see this residual plastic or rubber or whatever the hell it was, then definitely there was going to be some solution you couldn't see. And I wasn't going to be poisoning my friends and family. So much to the horror of the person I was brewing with, I just, the kettles were out kind of on this concrete pad close to a grassy area. I just, just went up to each up. No, I didn't. I, I didn't even drop the, the dump valves on them. I just took my foot and I just kicked each and every one out of anger over onto its side. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> the, the person I was burning with, of course, was just appalled. But, um, yeah, mechanical failure lesson learned, folks. Uh, definitely, if you're going to be using hot liquid, uh, check your transfer hoses. Um, you can't yes. get pretty good transfer hoses at the hardware store, believe it or not. But, I didn't do my homework. so um, And your PVC. I have encouraged people to make sparge arms or uh, out of PVC, and I need to go back and uh, yeah. re-encourage them to use some CPVC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. go, go ahead. Or actually, you know, fabricate out of, you know, you can get stainless steel uh, sparge arms now uh, that are, you know, uh, built for the home brewer, but yeah, I've had, I've, I've, that's a good point. Go ahead and, and yeah. tell people why I think it's well, just as far as making one, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into do it yourselfers and it's kind of fun, but, uh, well, PVC is rated at about 140 degrees, but CPVC will go up in the 180, 200 range. Yeah. It, it can hand, handle, uh, 
yeah, extremely hot temperatures. And um, anyway, we yeah. we did some crazy stuff about brewing. We I, I I was a really obstinate brewer, and I mean, I did read a lot, and I looked at I looked at the recipes, and but then when it just came, I was undisciplined on brew day. I later learned discipline, but in the early days, just really undisciplined. Yeah, you uh, you got your feet under you uh, pretty quick uh, as far as discipline, but um, yeah, and uh, there was a lot of learning curve going on on my end as well. I I did do some reading, but when it came to recipe, you know, fabrication or even brewing process i really wanted to kind of do my own thing and so uh but i tried to do it the same way over and over again and somehow magically it worked um mm. yeah so there will be telling some additional funny stories that's just one of many and i've got a similar story about exploding uh tops of carboys at some point down the road i'd love to share with everybody out there um what do you think jonas you think we could go ahead and move on to our articles or question of the day yeah um well, we can we can speak for a minute on this article that we read. Excellent. Um, we got found an article in Outside Online. I can't call up my screen, but it was a uh, producer. Can you maybe type the title of the article for us? Um. Anyway, it was about hops. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, the title was "How Hops Became the Star of American Brewing." There you go. That's all we need. Don't worry. We, we, we got it now. Uh, producer, no worries. Yeah. And I, uh, I enjoyed reading it and it was pretty informative to me because, um, uh, I'm a yeast centric brewer. I, I don't, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, use 12 or 15 different types of hops over the course of my career, but it, new varieties of hops wasn't something that I, I kept up with a lot. Yeah. Um, of course, maybe this, this article uh, is reasonably new uh, developments in the, in the industry. This perhaps wasn't going on 15 or 20 years ago oh, when I was brewing no. actively. No, it wasn't. Absolutely not. I mean, there were, there were new strains being developed, but nothing like this, uh, the current last past trend, 10, 15 years. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, no. Um, one thing that stuck out was they say this uh, this beer citra or this this hop citra is the most grown hop in the country, surpassing Cascade, which is hard to believe. Um, I may or may not have tried it before. Do you, are you familiar with citra? Yes, I am very familiar with that hop. It's... Um, you like it? it? Is, yeah, I, I love the hop itself. Uh, I think that it's... Um, gotten a little overhyped with people. It got a little bit of overuse, uh, if you will. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to go back to Cascades for a minute because, you know, you, I don't know if you recall this, but when we were in our heyday of brewing and um, drinking some uh, West Coast IPAs, which now become a, you know, a whole new thing with Cascade hops in them, an American two-row um, and 10, I think it was 1026, right? Was that the yeast? Uh, yes. the yeast 1056. 1056. That's it. Yeah. And that's the OG, right? Of uh, that uh, specific uh, um, strain, I think. Um, I think it's just a, a lab number or something. Lab number. I, I was, I had a little more romantic view of it. But um, okay. anyway, going back to Cascades, you know, we were kind of, um, oh my gosh, this has got Cascades in it. And we, we liked it okay. But then I stayed away from Cascades. Uh, I didn't want anything to do with uh, beers that had cascades in them as far as brewing. And I cannot recall any of my recipes having cascades in them. Not that it's a bad hop. It's a great hop. And I, I've, mm -hmm. 
actually now developed even a bigger palate for it than I used to have. And I love it. It's a familiar hop. Um, it's got that uh, kind of going home taste to it, if you will. It does. And, um, now going to Citra, uh, Citra, I think, and uh, maybe the producer can let me know if this is correct. Or not. I think Citra is actually uh, a family member of the Cascade hop. I think it came from Cascades. Um, mm-hmm. Is that correct? You think, did you remember seeing that Jonas? Um, I, I believe that's how that whole uh, uh, branch started. Um, but um, uh, go back down, producer. It said at the top. Yeah, uh, um, I could be it, wrong on that. But you know, when we start looking at some of the some of the interesting things about this article were the um, uh, flipping around, if you will, from bittering hops being primarily the hops being produced and put in beers in America to aromatics. Um, and you know as an old school brewer myself you know i you know i still to this day have a pavlovian response to aromatics and start thinking hallatower um uh, you know even saz and some of those very european aromatic uh, uh, styles and so um aromatics now become 80 percent of the uh, production i believe is what i read in here and 80 or 90 and and the, the most interesting part about these American beers that are produced this way is the IBUs are up there. They're, they're you know, they're, they, they should just be blowing your head off with bitterness, but right. it's so well balanced. And these hops are so flavorful that yes. it, you don't notice you're drinking a bitter beer. And right. I, I think that's a, a, a great um, uh, outcome of you know, all these really cool hop strains, mosaic, and, you know, um, uh, you know, just the whole explosion of Oregon Willamette Valley, um, um, you know, creativity that's going on. And you start, you know, mosaic and, and Izaka and Sirachi Ace and, and Strata, like those, those are all beautiful, beautiful things that, uh, that have an incredible bouquet to them. Um, I used to be a lot better at being able to depict hop uh, uh, profiles in beers, but now that's such a huge palette out there, you know, just a, a massive amount of smells yeah. um, that it's difficult for me to. Um, We'd have to retrain ourselves. We'd have to go back to the, the brewing, the garage or the kitchen, the brew, brewing laboratory yeah. and retrain our palate. I certainly would. Yeah, I think that's that's where I was going with it. Is I would have to be able to go back and make beer with these hops to really appreciate them. Um, that's you know, it wasn't any kind of mystery of my palate back in the day. It was just out of practical application, and you know, uh, smelling them as they went in the kettle, uh, if you will, uh, to to be able to get used to them. Um, you know, and and the other thing, this article, by the way, is excellent for anybody that wants to see what's happened in the last ten years, where it's going next. Um, and, and really one of the most interesting parts to me is the uh, almost uh, Nosferatu uh, predictability that has to happen with, uh, not, not Nos- Nosferatu, yeah, he was the... Uh, Nostradamus. Uh, Nostradamus. Nosferatu was the vampire. We're not talking yeah. about that today. Um, Nostradamus, uh, actually, you know, that kind of a, a look ahead, if you will, because it takes 10 years to bring these hops onto market. Um, and, and to and you just don't go willy nilly down the path and produce one of these. It's not cheap. Uh, you've got acreage you have to devote to things. 
and you have to be looking at trends and where it's going. Um, and I was just uh, really intrigued to see, you know, what the next thing's going to be <laughs> uh, as far as the next hop. And I think what was the, um, the main flavor of that one? Was it uh, coconut? I think. Like yeah. Coconut. Yeah. And which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? They might've been talking about the HBC six, nine, two, but yeah, oh, yeah, there were some really crazy fair uh, characteristics going on. Um, as I'd mentioned before, I've been overseas for a long time. So as far as getting fresh or new American beer over here, it's kind of rare. So I, I, I think I need to do a, a beer tour when, when travel restrictions are lifted in the world. Uh, well, when we recover from our recent travails, but, um, it's, uh, I did notice that, uh, the hop citra originates from Tetnanger and Hallertau and Kent Goldings, which actually I used Herzbrucker, which me and my friend Ben, the beer boy, always called horse fuckers. <laughs> but um, those were like three of the primary hops that I used in brewing. So it's just kind of interesting, perhaps even ironic that citra derives from them. Yeah. The reason I mention it may be ironic is because um, I've never, as a consumer, I, I've never been a hophead, not for one moment, even though I've enjoyed Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and an occasional IPA, um, despite the, I mean, I will try any of these beers and likely enjoy them, you know, small portions at a time, yeah. but um, I'm a yeast-centric brewer that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more interested in the yeast character of a beer and the different qualities we can get out of that. Sure. Um, but I would certainly enjoy getting back into the, uh, the homebrew lab. And, um, you know, I guess we need to, to go brew about a hundred gallons of beer, five gallons at a time to try all these different hops, or maybe just get a little experimental thing going, just really go back to the drawing board and brew some little one or two gallon, um, extract batches with just uh, to try these hop flavors out. Um, yeah, you know, it, as soon as we talk about an idea on the show, or maybe even think of an idea in the world of brewing, somebody's probably a couple of clicks down the path already trying it. But I was kind of inspired by the aromatics in here and wondering, you know, why you couldn't make uh, take some of these more uh, uh, bright flavors and make lagers with them. You know, why you couldn't. You know, just to get crazy with it. Um, now, would it be true to a Hellas category as far as that type of beer? No, but it might be very interesting to have a Hellas style beer with the pineapple note to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just throwing it out there. And again, um, you know, I'll, I'll say it today and I'll sell, say it a million times on the show. There are far greater advanced knowledge based people in the world today than I am. And I will never say I'm the be all end all uh, uh, expert in anything. Um, people can Google and probably get as much information as I ever had at my fingertips in a year. Um, but uh, we're gonna throw stuff out there sometimes that may be a little antiquated or maybe a little behind, but that's not what we're really worried about. Uh, we're just- no. We're, just we're old school, man. And that's it. That's it. We're old school and I'll, uh, I got no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so um, my, the producer just made a point to me because I am speaking of being old and uh, being an old school guy um, with 
Zoom and various formats, I didn't realize that I was throwing things up on our screen here accidentally um, from trying to look some stuff up myself as we spoke. So if you see That's multiple fine. screens out there, uh, Jonas. <laughs> I didn't new. even know I could do that. I would have done it too. That's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But um, hey, so uh, you were Actually, talking about, go ahead. Mm -hmm. you. Well, scroll up for a second. I want to go make one final note about the hops. Um, I want to read a quote from this article real quickly. I swirled the beer and I smelled papaya. I took a sip. It was indeed still green, a bit harsh in the finish, but I could taste the grapefruit that others had mentioned, prominent and juicy and a little tart. And then something more savory rose up, sage with a hint of other herbs like rosemary. There was a memory of dry, sunny places. And then I slit my own throat. No, I added in, I added in the last part. I, I, um, I hear a little sarcasm in your reading. Touch. That's, that's really over the top, guys. I mean, yeah. you know, this is not wine. It's not. I mean, if his job is to write about hops, that's great. Yeah. But uh, please don't sit around and talk about hot drink beer with your buddies and talk about talk about hops like that for more than about two seconds yeah. it's really too much <laughs> well and, and just like any any culinary experience or collecting of things or uh, you know people can can take it to the nth degree and um i've been in some conversations lately where i've you know gone down that path of uh papaya this orange that um and it's interesting and i learned from it but yeah i think at the end of the day beer's beer <laughs> uh yeah. you know uh, a little bit's okay and I, I mean he's a writer okay but still i know people do that and it just kind of drives me crazy all right we'll move on to our homebrew question that sounds good and i was going to use the uh, point you had a minute ago about yeast you said you're a yeast centric uh brewer and so yeah um that kind of, to me, leads into this next question. Why don't you read our homebrew question, Jonas? Homebrew question uh, provided by Dorian Tuli of um, kissmybrew.com. It's a fantastic uh, beer blog and homebrewers beer blog I'm proud to write for. Yes. Um, but the question is, why can't some American homebrewers master Belgian ales? Um, and I would yeah, I love Belgian ales. Uh, it is my favorite category. I prefer sour beer, lambic beer, old browns. Um, and of course, I do like some of the stronger Abbey beers as well. Um, the, I mean, that's a, a little bit of a loaded question because some, well, no, it's not loaded at all. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's an honest question. Um, they can't do it maybe because one thing is they try to take shortcuts and they'll throw in a bunch of spices or some orange peel or um, to try to give it, or they'll fake it. They'll, they'll add some um, lactobacillus. They'll add some acidic. Uh, I can't remember what they add to it now, but they'll basically add acid to the beer to make it sour, acidic acid perhaps. And they'll just try to shortcut it and they'll try to hit a flavor profile, but it's not true to the process of the beer. Hmm. Um, another thing people will do, and I mean, I was guilty of it as a pub brewer is, is I, I put a, an Abbey beer out, uh, after like three weeks or three and a half weeks, which I was just really anxious to do. And this was like virtually a non attenuating yeast. Sam, you may remember it was the beer we made back in 97 at Green Man Brewing Company in Asheville. Yeah. 
you came down um, as you often would as a guest brewer and we would formulate a recipe and this stuff had the opacity of a banana <laughs> and it was three quarters gone before it even resembled clarity and yeah. so in other words i rushed it it yeah. just really needed some time sure. and so those are a couple things that come to my mind well you know I, it's it, to me it's an interesting question because um uh you know just recently i've i've got a, a new friend here in the mountains of west virginia that's got a really sweet um uh, home brewing setup um much you know one that a lot of us aspire to have with uh, jacketed fermenters and uh um the whole night really many it's really mini commercial oh it's a nano brewery i mean you yeah. can just take it and tomorrow and plug it in and, and be making you know making restaurant beer pub beer all day long um but i taste he had a quadruple and when people say quadruples you know you know first and foremost a lot of people you know poo poo the style but you know it really is a style and um obviously incredibly strong he had a quadruple that was spot on it was absolutely delicious uh ibus were maybe nine it was so the ibus were just you know hops whispered over the kettle basically mm -hmm. he had used uh belgian dark sugar mm -hmm. in it uh the mm -hmm. black sugar uh candy sugar yeah um, dark candy sugar yeah and 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 pilsen malt to start with which is a great malt to begin with when you're starting to make uh those heavier beers because the malt base is so fantastic um, so I, I guess what I'm getting to is, you know, I don't think it's as hard to do, or maybe is not as, uh, difficult, uh, or as unapproachable, uh, for one thing, uh, like I was talking about a minute ago, the internet, uh, you know, will give you all kinds of information. It also take you down some rabbit holes. Um, but you can get some great information out there. The other thing is the yeast strains that are available for homebrewers. Now, it could be that one thing that's daunting is the cost. We, uh, you know, if you're going to use pitchable yeast, yeast that has a cell count that you can pitch right then, you don't have to do a yeast starter. The, the, the lag time is just not even noticeable. I mean, it is, it is built to, to go to work immediately. Enough bodies in there to do the stuff. Uh, and so um, we, uh, um, we have a... Uh, uh, an ability to take these yeast strains that are out there and make crazy beers with them. Um, mm -hmm. I made a peck one time uh, and, and used uh, a high gravity, uh, a Trappist ale to start with, and then ended up mixing in wild uh, 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 lambic blended yeast into it for the tertiary uh, fermentation. And it came out super awesome. So, mm -hmm. But it's expensive. You start you start brewing with that type of quality ingredient or that type of ingredient, and it's going to run your dollar figure up. So maybe what the question is alluding to here, and maybe Dorian down the road can give us some uh, insight into where the question comes from, is the cost factor. Maybe people are just pitching with good old dry yeast. Um, yeah. And of course, if you pitch with just shortcuts, you know, yeah, it, you, shortcuts as you said. And and if you if you have to cut that out, then don't you know don't think you're gonna be coming up with a belgian flavored beer uh belgian yeah. beers are notoriously yeast centric that's what they're all about and you're definitely not going to be able to even if you buy well wild yeast cultures you're not going to be able to get the flora and fauna of a specific area of belgium uh that's very difficult uh, very I difficult mean, yeah um you can emulate it at best just making a quality 
you know, lambic style beer, but you're just making sort of a sour beer that could be just fantastic. And, um, Jonas, I want to, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry. The word sour comes in here and I want to use that word. Uh, okay. Talk. Uh, I'm going to get a little bit serious here. It's been a sour week, uh, here in America. Um, yeah. Had a lot of crazy, crazy stuff going on in the world has stood by and watched things happen at our U.S. Capitol that a lot of countries are, it's commonplace for them, and it's decades and generations of dealing with that. And uh, we're all shocked uh, and appalled. Yes. Um, I, I will just say that it's the most blatant racist thing I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. as far as the response to what's happened with the protesters, these quote-unquote patriots going and uh, you know, trying to interrupt the democratic process. Um, you mean the fact that they didn't um, shoot down dozens, exactly. if not hundreds of them and crack the exactly. rest of them skulls. And exactly. uh, right. And I mean, it's, 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 a, it's an obvious mm-hmm. point, you know, that, that, that didn't happen, but it's still, even though it's obvious and it's, and it's being made around the world, it's um, uh, you know, anyway, so um, Jonas, go ahead. You had probably had something else you wanted to say about that. No, not really. Not really. It's fine. We can talk about Belgian. We'll 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 focus on Belgian beers in the near future. I, it, it it was really tough to watch, and uh, what what's going on over there? I don't want to get way too 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 deep, but uh, you guys better get your shit straightened out. Um, and I mean, I say you guys, I don't live there, but I'm bested in America and I will be back and I'm American to the core, but it's just unacceptable. One, one thing I will say is that back in the day, back in the day, meaning, uh, the early 2000 aughts under George Bush and Dick Cheney, I hated those guys, despised them every, every thing they had to say or do, but they would never let anything like this happen. They right. never would have let 400,000 people die of COVID. Right. They You're never right. would have done it. Not ever, 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 ever. Yeah. And they, yeah. because they, they saw that the country was more important, you know, at least they wouldn't blatantly take the lives of people. But. You're right. And, and I think that we're going back in that kind of history, but you, you had a very interesting thing on our program notes about taking this into the world of Tolkien and yeah. looking at how the how this connects with uh, War of the Jewels, and I really want to hear your thoughts on that. Okay, well, the, uh, as we had talked before, I follow the lore of the elves and the going back to the elder days of Middle Earth, and I, I I feel a great kinship with them and love them very much. Um, but there was a lot of trouble. There was a. Um, well, there was a great war fought, and the elves were not necessarily righteous in in this, and they actually fought each other over many times um, because these beautiful jewels called the Silmarils were created, and they were taken by um, this uh, evil being called Melkor, and he was basically an angel. God had put his celestial beings, his lieutenants on earth to sort of oversee middle earth. And they lived here in great joy. Um, but he so discord, he hated, you know, he was kind of the uh, equivalent of Satan or Lucifer, if you will, but he so discord among the elves in the peaceful realm. And, and he stole these, um, these magical jewels. And 
it, it's hard to kind of do it really briefly. But he sowed discord among people who are supposed to be living in harmony and loving each other and helping each other. And he created and it caused um, hundreds of years of wars and wiped out whole kingdoms and bloodlines of uh, great houses of elves. And I think, you know, there's some parallels to what's going on right now is that the society is becoming uh, is poison and vitriol is being poured into the ear of people and they're 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 very scared already not only of the they're scared of running out of money they're scared of the uh the covid and um but yeah so i just i'm sorry i'm 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 really uh losing my my focus a little bit well you're i to me it, it it's just uh an example of how greed um, at the end of the day, I think racism comes down to greed. Uh, and I think that a lot of stuff we've seen this past week have nothing to do with Patriots, uh, but have everything to do with wanting more and more. And, um, you know, when uh, uh, back in the other days with the elves, uh, they lusted. Um, unfortunately, there was a lot of great things, but they also saw shiny, bright things and really, wanted them for whatever reason um yeah and you know even before the war of the of the jewels uh which was you know battle upon battle on middle, middle earth to to acquire these or to bring them back into control um the uh there was a horrible thing that happened before the the elves even came over prior to this which was the um i guess it was called the battle of the havens is that right where uh the Kinsling, at Aqualon. There you go. That's right. And it it just shows that greed and money and the desire for power uh, can make you do the worst of things. And, and and that's what we saw this week. We saw the worst of things. And um, the fact that our leaders didn't rise up immediately right then and say this is wrong with their actions rather than their words uh, was very uh, powerful stuff. Um, you know, we've talked about some heavy things in the past couple episodes, but it's a heavy world. And I would like to start kind of wrapping up our, our show here a little bit, Jonas, with uh, yeah. some, some kinder words to the world. You guys uh, get along, love each other. Uh, we're all exactly the same inside. Doesn't matter. Um, we are. And, uh, we are. Lucky to have you in our lives, Jonas. Uh, we love you here in, in America, and I'll say goodbye. We love you too. You put your, you give love to the ones around you, and be happy. Better times are coming. Just start the pack and dry it back up to wet. This mad city's not a game. Easy, quiet on set. Fire student of the past, trailblazing the day. Not acknowledging a trend of swept up in the phase. We still the highest of commodity.